G'day. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber. I'm host of this show. I talk to the best and brightest minds in SEO every two weeks. So thank you for tuning in. Today, I've got Brett Farmelo from Featured.com, formerly Turkle. G'day, Brett. Hey, thanks for having me. No worries. Good to have you here. So, uh, look, if you listen to this show regularly, I would love for you to hit subscribe, make it a bit easier for you to find when our new guests are on. I've got lots of really cool guests upcoming, including Brett today. And again, if you've enjoyed the show, five stars, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else, that would be amazing. But before we get into you writing five stars, how about we give you a five-star conversation and we're going to open up with Brett telling me, well, what do you think is the number one biggest challenge facing SEOs in 2023? Yeah. Well, I think it's EEAT. And I think that it goes back to Google's updated guidelines when it comes to, to good, high-quality content and adding the experience into the process. I think that a lot of SEO agencies and SEO teams have engineered their content creation uh, to be very much around experience or expertise, authority, and trust. And now adding that experience adds a whole new wrench into it. So I think that that's maybe one of the biggest things, especially with the rise of AI, to add experience into content. So do you think that was a like, there's a, just a direct correlation with all of this new AI copy and Google going, okay, we need to put an extra little layer on this to, to help make sure users are getting the right experience, do you think? I think when you look at Google's uh, Bard uh, product announcement in February of 2023, one thing that I picked picked on was uh, they had images of how you know future of search kind of looks like, and they had the generative piece of answering whatever the search query was. But then right underneath that, they had a search result from Quora, and they had a search result from another ed tech company uh, that had expertise around the query. And so I think that that was kind of a signal and a visual signal to say, hey, like. We are going to have human curated content to support whatever generative content we're displaying so that it takes some of the relief off of us and equips searchers with all the information that they need to answer their query. So I think that that was a really good, strong uh, thing that happened early in the year that help, helps guide SEOs in their content creation. It does. And we get, we're sort of going a bit off topic here, but I like this. It also like kind of harks back to like, like Google's origins was around the whole point of links was... References because the guys who founded Google were academics and they're all about making sure any you know anything that they were citing was properly referenced. So it's almost like we're going back to you know making sure that we're referencing actual what's you know actual experts or actual people with experience. Yeah, for sure, and yeah, it gets gets really interesting. Like you said, we could go super deep into it, and happy to do so. All right, beauty. So Brett, you've ch- recently changed. So you're the founder of Turkle slash now featured dot com. So I'd love to find out, we're going to find out a lot about how that came about, the, the, the name change and, you know, where it's, where it's headed. 
Before we get into that, we just want to find out a bit more about yourself and you know your your history, your career history. You're a marketer, so I'd love to find, sort of find out what it was that sort of first got your foot in the door, either in marketing or SEO. Like, what, what was your your starting starting gig? Yeah, so I actually started off my career as an accountant. So I was oh, okay. a financial financial auditor coming out of school, and wasn't sure that that was the right career path for me. So I decided to launch a career education website that would send myself and three friends around the country in a recreational vehicle, and we would interview people about their career paths in order to document their stories for other college students to to learn from. And so that was kind of my mistake into marketing was uh, I really, once we launched the site, once we started traveling around the country, we, we ended up going uh, 16,000 miles, 38 states, interviewed more than 300 people. And the, the thing that I enjoyed most was connecting those, uh, those offline experiences with people who are finding the information online. And so it was kind of my first uh, realization that search engine optimization was actually a thing. And, you know, from there, I uh, had a couple different stops, but ultimately for the last 10 years, ran an SEO agency called Marketers. I sold that in December of 2021 to focus on Turkle, which is now Featured. And Featured is a platform that connects publishers with subject matter experts so that they could help build their visibility online. And so we're about 18 months into it. We just rebranded from Turkle over to Featured about four weeks ago. Wasn't long. I saw it. It was just chattering a bunch. I'm in a bunch of different SEO Slack groups. And I saw it in a, in a bunch of different ones. Hey, featured.com, Turkle's changed. So let, let's let's go there. If we go to, uh, where did the name Turkle come from first? Was Featured always the vision? No, so uh, Featured, I, I submitted our, our contact information probably three years ago. I thought it was a really good name for it. And at the time, there was no way we were going to get it. So I just wanted my information on file. And what Tur- why we named it Turkle was really, uh, Turkle means uh, to us, to give voice to the uncelebrated. And so when I was at my marketing agency, we serviced more than uh, 500 small businesses over the course of 10 years. And the commonality that everyone had was they had very limited resources to build up their visibility online, but they had an abundance of expertise to share. And so you have all of these people ranging from like running a trenchless pipelining company to a lawyer to, you know, a chiropractor and all these people who are subject matter experts, but don't have the opportunity to voice that expertise. And so Turkle was really turning the tables and saying, hey, we're going to give voice to the Uncelebrated and then, you know, feature those insights in more than 500 media destinations. So that's how, how it came about. Cool. So were you building Turkle whilst you had marketers? Was that sort of like yeah. what was happening in the background? So basically digital PR was our, our biggest challenge. Like how do you build visibility at scale for, for SMBs? And so again, going back to the opportunity, the abundance of expertise to share, we wanted to create a question and answer site that allowed us to scale digital PR. And so no intentions to ever start a business uh, with, with Turkle and now Featured, but it was really just meant to be an internal solve for, for the thing that we were facing. Cool. So tell me about the, the initial stages of that. So you've, you've seen this gap, especially for small businesses. How do we get links short of buying dodgy links off Fiverr, which obviously you're not going to do if you want, if you want your clients to, to like you. So take me through that process of there's a gap here. How do we get them in front of the right people? What tech needs to be involved? Who are going to be our test cases? I'd love to hear a bit more detail around yeah, that. Yeah, I think yeah. it was about a three-year journey to, to arrive at, at it. So originally it was like, okay, you have, you're have you an SEO agency. And really, uh, even going all the way back to the origins of the agency, I had no intentions to start an agency, but I got marketers.com to rank on page one of Google for the term digital marketing company. And so I decided to actually live up to the search ranking and start a digital marketing company. And so ah. out, the, out the gate, we started offering, you know, 
what's a digital marketing company do? Well, they do email, they do PPC, they do SEO and social and website development. And so we started to do all of those things. And then very about two years in, very quickly realized that we were really good at just one thing, which was uh, search engine optimization. And so we broke that down into content, into digital PR, into technical SEO. And digital PR was the one thing that just wasn't scaling very well. Uh, you know, how do you, like, what approach do you take? Do you just buy guest posts? Do you reach out to people and, and do outreach? And so for us, you know, it, we tried all of those different things. And where we arrived was really getting back to this sense of, hey, you're running an eyelash extension business. You are very knowledgeable about this one thing. How do we ask you the right questions to bring out that knowledge and then help satisfy a gap that publishers have? which is filling in with that expertise for, for articles that they're writing. And so that's how it kind of started out. We were posing questions on behalf of publishers and then getting insights from specific clients that we knew we had expertise with. And then we were essentially reaching out to other experts to fill out the, the course of that article so that we could, you know, pitch that and get it accepted. So that's, that's kind of how it got started. So did you have relationships with the publishers already? Like, how did that come about in terms of you've got a list of experts and you've got a piece? Like, how did the connecting? Yeah. A lot of it was built on personal relationships that I had. So for probably the first hundred publishers or so, it was tapping into my network and going back through all the LinkedIn connections that I've built up over the years and, you know, the people that I've gained a lot of trust with and, and reaching out to them to say, hey, here's what we're doing. Uh, we don't know if it's going to work. Do you want to try a few articles and see how it performs? And very quickly, we saw the content perform really well. It started to drive um, a lot of sustainable organic search traffic. And so once we started to get those early results, uh, we, we kind of leaned into it. Very cool. Can you give a story of what one of those results, like a specific client, a specific problem or an answer that they were like an interesting answer that just really caught fire? Like what, what surprised you early on? Yeah, I think so. We've we've actually seen quite a few articles uh, become like the featured snippet for for certain queries. And so like, you know, everything from like inventions that sh should should be created to is technology a good career path to how long do you stay at your job? You know, all these questions that when you fundamentally look at it, you know, we, we started with human resources as one of our first verticals. And really we looked at it and said, well, Quora gets 400 million organic search visits approximately uh, per month. And it's, why do they outrank HR.com for an, for an HR related question? And it's because HR.com just doesn't have the content. And so if you equip them with the content, and you have a head-to-head -head battle between HR.com and Quora, who's going to win in terms of having the right answers for HR-related questions? And so that's what we started to, to do is equip those, those end sites with content that was really relevant to what their website was about. Cool. Okay. So then that's, ah, oh, that's really interesting. So in terms of like the publishers, you're actually looking for gaps in the market where you can see that they're, they should be ranking for different terms, but they're not. So you're, you're actually providing content to help them. Yeah. It's a, and it's a super exciting time because like a lot of these, a lot of these publishers are looking to do more with less, you know, content teams are limited in terms of the resources that they're able to provide. And if you're able to fill that gap with, again, the, the expertise and, and the experience and authority and trust in that content, then it's a, it's a win-win for everyone that's involved. So that's, that's the space that we like to be at. Very cool. So market, marketo, how, or marketers, I should say, sorry. Like how, how many staff, what sort of size agency did that get to until you, until you finished it up and moved into, into the yeah, product side? Uh, we were typically ranging between about 15 to 25 employees. And so, uh, that was kind of the range and, you know, it fluctuated with clientele. Most clients would stay with us if they were in Arizona about two years, if they were outside of the state, then about 12 months. So 
it was it was a really interesting journey uh, with it, and you know I think that you know it was a ten years of running a service business and and learning you know and experiencing the problem that we're looking to solve today. So really thankful for for that time of running an agency and can definitely uh, commiserate with a lot of agency owners that that are on the grind. It's fun, you know. That's the agency owner dream. It's like find a product, find a problem that I can solve for myself, build a software around it, move into a product business rather than a service business. Like. That's a lot of agency owners love to think about doing that. And there's, I, I can probably name a hand, like a half a dozen off the top of my head who've got an idea that's just sitting there that they just haven't executed on. What would you give us like, whether they're an agency owner or an SEO consultant or someone that's got like an idea like you had, but they're just sitting on it for whatever reason. What, what do you think would be a good first step or how, how do you think you could inspire them to make that move? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not sitting on it and it's taking the first step. So, you know, for, for, for us. I was also sitting on the idea and the thing that really put me over was, was COVID. And so, uh, uh basically it was, I think around, I think it was like April of 2020 and I went to the university of Arizona and have a great relationship with the, with the college down there. And they had reached out to me to say that they had about 20 MBA students that had their internships rescinded for the summer and did I have any opportunities? And so I essentially took all 20 resumes. I gave them to my most technical friend because I'm a non-technical founder and uh, said, hey, who, who are the best software engineers from this group? And so we essentially picked out three. Uh, we offered them summer internships and, you know, built Turkle over the course of the summer. And so cool. really, I think, I think it's, it's part combination of actually just doing something, but also financially bootstrapping to the point where now you can build it and it doesn't to- entirely break the bank. And so for many years, we were looking to fund uh, the build of Turkle, which is now featured through uh, the agency profits. And so that's essentially where where we got the start. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then in terms of like wrapping up the agency and moving to, to, to Turkle full time, like was there a wind down period and then what happened to those clients? And like, talk me through that. Yeah. So, you know, I was really, really fortunate that um, there was a great book that I read called Built to Sell. Yep. And I'd, I'd highly recommend that for any agency owner to read. And I read that with no intentions to sell, and it really just helped me build a better business. And so after after reading that book, I hired a VP of operations to come in and step in and, and do the, a lot of the day-to-day management and um, basically successfully ran that for, for the course of the year and proved that I was no longer needed in the business to, to operate it. And so that was a critical step. And when, you know, basically from first conversation to close, it was about six weeks for, for me, uh, which was great. It was really just checking out in terms of, hey, you've got recurring revenue, you've got a steady inflow of how you're going to be acquiring uh, clients because you rank for page one for the term digital marketing company. And so there's a lot of the de-risking from a, from a buyer perspective that allowed me to actually exit on the first day. So I didn't, I didn't stick around from a, from no, a, you know, golden handcuffs. To, yeah. So, and that was, that was great. You know, and again, a pretty trusted relationship with the, with the buyer on that, but you know, when, yeah, that is, so that, that's pretty much how that happened. Very cool. So then from that point, you're all in on featured.com. So did you have, did those developers stay with you? What was the team like? Was it just you at the start and, and contractors? Like talk, talk me through what Turk will look like from, I mean, it's, there's, a, there's yeah. also that one year handover where you're, you've got an ops person running the, running the agency. So I guess I'm curious about that that period and then you're, you're free of the agency and then what's the team look like? Yeah. So, so those three software engineers that we had that summer internship for, 
two of them ended up sticking with us and are still with us today. Very cool. Uh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. About three years, three years later. So, and that was, I mean, th- those two guys are incredibly important to the story because again, like as a non-technical founder, there's a couple critical things to running a software company. Number one is having really talented software engineers that you could trust um, because you don't know what you're looking at. Um, you just don't know what to look at as a non-technical person. And so you've got to have a lot of trust to, um, in your team to develop the things that, that need to be developed. So, you know, fortunate that I kind of lucked out with, with those two. They attracted two more really talented software engineers. So now we've got a team of four that uh, we're working with. And then there was a couple other uh, people who came over from marketers over to, to Turkle. Uh, one was a community manager who interned with me starting in January of 2020. So again, a pretty long uh, tenure that allowed uh, from a trusted perspective to, to hop on over. And then there was a, another marketing generalist who had probably like six different job titles before she ultimately came. So she had a lot of flexibility in terms of, you know, being willing to adapt and, and do what's necessary to thrive in a startup environment. So, you know, we, we basically started Turkle with a team of five, including myself. Talk me through that as well. So let's say, and I've, I've put my hand up, I've made this mistake of hiring people have done it like more than once, which annoys me to say, but like hiring people because of, you know, the logos that they've, they've worked with in the past, as opposed to realizing that, well, in a startup, you're rolling up your sleeves and you haven't necessarily got a, a narrow scope of, of responsibility. Like you need to be able to build things from scratch and break things and create rules and protocols and that sort of stuff. You had your interns, which is great. And they progressed. Actually, let's look at this from two angles. Who do you think are the types of people who work best in startups? like from a candidate side, like what, what, what sort of background are you looking for, whether it's personality or career experience or family, what, whatever? Yeah, well, I think that you know, I'll, I'll dial it all the way back to when I was talking about the, the road trip and, and, find, and finding people to interview about their career paths. And the title of the road trip was called Pursue the Passion. And the whole goal was to interview people who are passionate about their career. And so the very first tour we lined up this bucket list of, of places to go. We went to Nike and EA Sports and the New York Times and the San Francisco Giants cool. and Playboy and like all this stuff. Yeah. And and what we found was our hit rate of finding people who actually enjoyed their careers was very, uh, you know, we interviewed some people who weren't all what we were looking for. Let's just put it that way. And then the second tour that we did was all about referrals. It was all about, hey, we're going to go to Minneapolis. Does anyone know anyone that we should interview there that really enjoys their their job? And, you know, it was almost like a 100% hit rate in terms of finding people that we actually truly wanted to talk to. And so your comment about the logos and the, you know, prestige and stuff like that, a lot of the times you need, I mean, to be successful in a startup environment, you need that, you know, a lot of that passion to be able to to push through the highs and the lows and things like that. And so, Oftentimes it's, it's looking at the people who don't have necessarily the, a lot to lose. Like, you know, when we've interviewed people, uh, throughout this journey, we've interviewed people who, who have had the logos and, and a lot of the times we've arrived at those people aren't, weren't the perfect fit because, you know, they're looking for, um, something that is not that much of a risk, um, at that stage of their career. And so it's very risky to do a startup. It very much could be a blemish uh, if it doesn't work out. And, and so it's a hiring's hard and it's not easy to get right. But oftentimes I think that patience is one of the best things that you could approach it with. You know, for, for us, I think five out of the six people that are on our team today were first interns with us and, and grew. And, and even though like the word intern 
they're not like 23, they're like 30, you know, they, they just, they were MBAs and, and, and double, double majors in, in uh, computer science. So further along in their careers, but the internship allowed us to see how we would work together and, and take things pretty slowly. Talk me through that. So what, what, how do you structure an internship with a 30 year old who's had, who's had a career already? Like, so with those in particular, so they were going through the MBA program and then also going through uh, their masters of, of computer science, not at U of A. So. I mean, that, that's basically it. Like they had seven, seven years of experience prior for software engineering. They would go through the, through the education and just needed an internship to, you know, for education requirements. And that's all off your relationship with, the, with U of A from having gone there and, and your previous history there. So that's, that's yeah. been a really good relationship for you and connection. That's been good. And then, you know, also I'm here in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is a greater Phoenix area. And so uh, working diligently to former relationship with the Arizona State University as well. So okay. uh, you, I think that some of their schools are tremendous, like, you know, the Barrett Honors College and the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. And so I think that it's finding these pockets where you can recruit from and develop the talent because I've always found that it's, it's, uh, it's much more fun to develop talent than to try to get people to develop towards, you know, what you need them to be. So, you know, yeah, so edgy, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of uh, internships. Cool. Okay. That's great. So what were some of the early wins for, for Turkle back in the day? So you, you launched, you're live, you've got your, your team that's, that's coming together. What were some of the big, either media placements or big brands or, you know, some of the wins that you, you, you shouted out about earlier? Yeah. On? So I think that it, I mean, it happens. I tell my, my wife this pretty frequently that like every hour there's something like <laughs> there's some, something that happens pretty every, pretty much every hour, which is the highest of highs and the lowest of lows that happen pretty much on a 60 minute interval. So for us, the, the biggest wins are when our customers succeed and they get, they get placements. The thing that I hear frequently from user interviews is when they get that you've been featured on email, that's one of the best, best moments in the day, you know, because you, you, you've shared your insights, you, it's been validated, you've been featured, there's benefits, uh, uh, business benefits to it as well of being featured. And so that's really cool to see. But I also love when our content ranks, ranks really, really well for uh, the publishers that we work with. So I think two out of, two out of the last three months, uh, our articles have performed in the top 10 on Fast Company. So that was pretty cool to, to see. We also have seen great success with like American Express and Zapier and GoDaddy and some of the other publishers that we work with. So right now we, we're up to more than 550 publishers that are posting questions to get content for their sites. And then uh, we've got a, a little over 20,000 users who are answering questions to build up their visibility. Very cool. So of those users, a lot of those users will be listening to this right now. Have you got any, you know, one or two tips that they should be helping them write answers that actually get published? Yeah. So the very first thing, we, we just launched a new feature called alerts. So the thing that I always recommend for really busy business owners is to go in, sign up for a free account on feature.com. And then go to the alert section and just insert a couple keywords that you have expertise on. So you'll get an email alert when there's a relevant question. So that's the, that's the number one tip is just to answer questions that pertain to your expertise. And oftentimes, you know, we're so early in our platforms development that we might not have questions for everyone. And so it's utilizing the tools that you have to get connected with the right opportunities. So I think that that's, you know, my top tip. Okay. Excellent. Let's talk firstly about featured, the, the change to featured. So you mentioned earlier that. You inquired about the name a while back. Such a cool time though. You've been featured in, like, you know, email from featured.com. So that happened four weeks ago, the change in name. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Cool. 
has it been received? Way better than expected. Uh, we were really excited for it internally. And w- when it launched, we, ex- we actually expected like our customers to be pretty, pretty pumped for it too. And it turns out, turns out like they didn't really care. Like they didn't care as much. Uh, they cared about, do we have opportunities and does it help fill the value proposition that uh, they were promised? And it doesn't matter if it was Turkle or featured, they wanted opportunities to, to, to get featured. So that was kind of a surprise. But then on the other side of it, you know, it's really opened up some doors. It's better, better communicated the value prop so that we're seeing a quicker growth rate. And so for, for us, it was really around how do we build a better, bigger business faster? And feature.com was a much more smoother route uh, that we thought than Turquoise.io. Understandably. So then let's talk about those. How many users did you say you've got now? So a little over 20,000 people okay. who are answering questions and then 550 different places that you can get featured. Very cool. So what, what are your goals? Like, where do you want to take this in 2024 or 2025? Yeah. I mean, I think that ultimately for us, it's looking to see how our, our mission statement, how do we better connect publishers with subject matter experts? And there's some pie in the sky goals that we have in terms of the overall approach and where we think, you know, the overall ecosystem is headed. But again, I already mentioned it on this podcast. I think that the, the biggest opportunity is there's about 95% of blogs that are considered inactive, meaning that they haven't posted content in the last month. And how do we provide them with high quality content that speaks to the authority of their website and uses uh, the experiences of experts to help provide them with that content? I think that's probably one of the biggest opportunities. And I think that we could see a lot of redirection of search traffic over to the publishers who use our platform by following that, that methodology. I also just think that there's a tremendous opportunity to, to better utilize the insights of people. So if 95% of, of, of blogs are inactive, how, how much of our knowledge is actually online and how much of a better benefit could we see in the world by bringing more of our knowledge online? And so I think that that's, that's the coolest thing. You know, some of the, the shortcomings that we've seen with other legacy platforms, you know, uh, one of our competitors help a reporter out is that th- the success rate on, on a platform like that is very, very low, meaning that a lot of knowledge that's being shared is somewhere, like somewhere in a, a black hole in a reporter's inbox and things like that. So how, do you, how are there better ways to share knowledge and then repopulate that knowledge so that it starts to spread and you know, great ideas get heard? Cool. And really, I mean, I guess it's, it's pretty much aligned with what, if we go back to the start of this episode, the, you know, adding the E, the E-E-A-T getting more experts out there, having their voices heard in the right places. Yeah. And you think about it, it's like so cool. Like one of the things that, you know, we're working on, will come out uh, with something pretty soon is like content refreshes. You think about how much content has been created over the years without a lens of EEAT. And so how do you just add that first E of experience into a content refresh to essentially, you know, take a 2018 blog post and add a couple expert quotes to see if that's enough that helps move the needle and gives that content what it, it needs to to increase ranking. So, you know, we've got we've got a lot of people who, you know, want to build up their visibility online and have that experience to share. So how can you, you know, again, better make that connection so that you could refresh content, you could create new content and then give these experts the visibility that they're that they're looking for. So is that something that feature.com is like looking to solve for publishers? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because when, when a publisher a publisher comes to us, you know, we've traditionally over the last couple of years led with, 
hey, you're going to post a question and we'll give you a ready to be published article for your website that's 100% mm -hmm. unique for you, you know, isn't written by AI, isn't plagiarized, has all the checks uh, to it. And what we found is that that satisfies a, a big need for typically brands with blogs, but for a media company, uh, they already have this thoughtful content creation process that they're like, okay, well, we don't really want the out of the box thing. We've given a lot of thought and effort into developing our own approach to this. We just need that quote from an expert to take it to the next level. And so that's how we're better, better servicing our publishers is you could come to featured and you can ask a question, get a full length article, or you could also just say, Hey, I just want some quotes with a quicker turnaround time and then get that so that you could do some content refreshes and, and put the content over the finish line. Very cool. Really cool journey. Really cool hearing you go from traveling the country to, you know, to, to get those quotes and to build that first business into marketing, into running your own marketing agency, seeing the gap, building something for your own clients, seeing it catch and then, you know, and then grow and grow and grow. Like I'm really, really curious to, to watch over the next couple of years, the growth of, of users and the growth of just of the brand visibility online. Yeah. Yeah. Super thank exciting. you. Yeah. And nice, nice summary too. And so that's a, that's a lot of time into, you know, 30 minutes. All right. So we're going to close out now um, with our quick five Vox pop. We do this every episode. So I want you to put your SEO hat back on. We've talked a lot about your founder hat, but I want, to, I want the SEO hat and I'm going to ask you some questions and I want the first thing that comes to mind. Ready, set? Let's do it. All right. Which previous Google algo change still keeps you up at night? None of them. Okay. <laughs> I, I, and, and just to elaborate, like I always have believed you do the right thing and you know, the algorithms don't impact you like i've you know over the years 15 plus years of seo yeah i've never been freaked out by an algorithm update because it's always try to be in the in the right with it what's your favorite non-obvious software tool that you use every day to research or execute my calculator cool there we go which do you prefer content or links content what's the most effective <laughs> this is a bit weighted what's the most effective link building technique you've used no comment <laughs> <laughs> is the skyscraper technique still relevant today I don't think so. I think that it's uh, there's too many people trying it, and you know how it is in SEO. If, if too many people are doing one thing, there's got to be some more innovation. Got it. What do you love most about SEO? The opportunity to build a sustainable, predictable business. When you rank on page one for your target keyword, and it and it maintains for many years, there's no better feeling than waking up and knowing that predictability as a business owner that that you can rely on, and that is so cool to to experience for your own business, but also to, to build that and to offer that to, to other business owners. It's so awesome. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? Well, we talked about patience and hiring and, you know, the, and SEO is very much a marathon and you've got to take, uh, uh, start with the strategy, build the foundation and then execute. And whether you're raising a family, whether you're building a business, whether you're executing a workout plan or whatever, it starts with that vision that you've got it starts with getting the bike or getting the equipment that you need. And then it's all about executing and executing for generally a really long time until it starts to go up in the right. Work from home life or office life or hybrid life? What's your preference? I got three kids, man. They're 10, 7, and 4. I'm here in the office and I love it. I hear you. I've got four kids, similar ages. So I hear you. <laughs> nice. SEMrush or Ahrefs? Oh, man. Uh, can I say both? No, you got a big one. <laughs> I'll say I've had a Ahrefs subscription yeah. since probably 2015. Yep. And it, but I really like the people at SEMrush. Okay. So if I was just to use the software, Ahrefs. 
So thinking of a client client side, what do you think is the best solution for their SEO? Going with an agency, going with an in-house team, or going with a combination of both? I think that it depends on so many different things. It depends on your business, how big it is, what the objectives are, what you really need. You know, is it something that, uh, so to answer your question, I think I w- if I were to start, I would start with an agency and and I would learn and you know put all I had into that agency agency relationship, and then it's a natural jumping point to uh, at some point take that in house. So agency first. Okay, beautiful, awesome, Brett. Thanks so much for for your openness and for for sharing your story and sharing some of the the exciting stuff that's that's happened. Which is it's, and you're pretty early in, really. How long, how long did you say Turkle slash featured dot com has been running? Yeah, January of 2022. Wow. Okay. So we're still very much startup stage. So really excited to see you you continue to progress over the next few years. What's the best way if people want to reach out to you or if they want to talk business or talk links, anything, how can they get in touch with you? Well, my name is Brett with two T's. So B-R-E-T-T at featured.com. Easy. Great. Love it. Thanks so much, Brett. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No worries. So that was another episode of SEO Success Stories. Brett Farmelo from Featured.com. Great conversation. Five-star conversation, I reckon. So get up get up there, write us five stars. That would be amazing. Subscribe, do all those great things. I will have another SEO thought leader, practitioner, someone from a tech platform in two weeks' time, in your ears. Once again, thanks for listening to SEO Success Stories. Cheers, guys. Cheers.